0: State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Miguel Jute, head of AI R&D at Rev.com, about the next phase and the future of speech recognition technology. Rev is a speech-to-text service that combines the world's best AI with the fine-tuning of the human ear to transcend the limits of audio. Let's begin.
1: Hi, Miguel. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm not too bad. something that we've planned for a while. It's finally come about, so I appreciate you joining on the podcast today, Miguel.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's um, a pretty interesting topic that we're going to talk about today. Obviously, I'm sure that a lot of people know Rev because Rev's been around for quite some time now, and has probably been one of the pioneers or leading companies around speech recognition and you know translating audio to text and stuff like that. But um, yeah, there's uh, some things that Miguel mentioned that we're going to speak about more about the next phase of speech recognition technology and how that applies to publishers. So before we go into that nitty gritty, Miguel, how about we just get the background then maybe for those who don't know about Rev out of the way and let's then jump into the main agenda.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So as you said, Rev has been around for a while. We've celebrated last year our 10th anniversary, so I think, uh, I guess that makes us 11 years old now. (laughs) Rev, you you described it well. The way I normally describe Rev is uh, it's a two-sided marketplace for transcription. And the way Rev came about, our founders wanted to create a company for people, to to create work-at-home jobs for people. And so... An example of a company like that is uh, something like Upwork or Fiverr, you know, where you can kind of like just get jobs online and and work from home, from anywhere. Rev wanted to do something very similar, but they wanted to do it in a field that's uh, less subjective than, say, programming or uh, logo design. You know, like um, these fields are subjective. It's difficult to kind of know how LT your marketplace is because you you may like a certain logo that I dislike, you know, so it's it, it's difficult to argue about quality. And so with Rev, going into transcription, things are a lot less uh, subjective. The other thing that Rev did that's amazing is in making it a two-sided marketplace, a uh, customer can come to Rev. They don't really have to choose their transcriber, find who they want to work with. They just they send the transcript to Rev. And then on our side, we have this... Uh, Great mechanism, this marketplace code base that routes your audio to the right person, gets it transcribed for you and then sends it back. And it all kind of happens behind the scenes for you. So as a customer, you come to Rev, you send an audio, you get a transcript back within, you know, 24 hours. it's a it's a beautiful product, well designed. And so, yeah, a few years ago, Rev got into the artificial intelligence, you know, business and we basically when they hired me, they, they asked me to look into how we can use AI, specifically speech recognition to help make people more productive on our platform. So the goal was always to create tools for, we call, we call people who work on, on Rev.com, Revers. Create tools for revers to be to earn more money faster. So you know, one way to do this is to is to use speech recognition as a first draft. And you know, as a rever, instead of starting from a blank document, start from the first draft. And that was kind of what pushed us into looking into speech recognition. So now, fast forward five years, and we offer this ASR API. You know, externally also, we have external customers using it to create more great products. So it's, yeah, it's been an exciting journey and one that's gonna be even more exciting coming up.
1: I guess more on your role and a bit of your background, I guess, how were you able to, you know, be able to get this opportunity to sort of just the next phase of Rev's AI and sort of R&D?
0: Yeah, so I'm from Montreal, Canada. I studied mathematics at McGill University. My background was in something called phylogenetics, so the study of evolutionary trees. And it seems really unrelated to speech recognition at first glance. But what's interesting is evolution, the way you you study evolution in many ways is you study strings of DNA, you know, and you, you compare them to try to understand how different species differ and stuff like that. And so it boils down to a sequence kind of problem and speech recognition is a sequence problem also sequence of different tokens in in this case like you know phonemes or or letter you know and so it, all the algorithms were fundamentally the same and so the transition when i finished school i started working at a company called nuance which you know is well known for speech recognition and so the transition was pretty simple for me i worked at nuance for 8 years as a speech scientist and then the transition transitioned to a company called VoiceBox, which did speech recognition in cars. A lot of different things happened, but a funny coincidence is that VoiceBox ended up being acquired by Nuance and then later on, Nuance got acquired by Microsoft. So so all my former colleagues work at Microsoft now. <laughs> but yeah, five years ago, uh, I guess at the time, our VP of engineering, David Detmer, recruited me at Rev to, to start the RD team. And so at the time I had The right background, I guess, and and just like got lucky to be recruited by Rev.
1: Yeah, it's been foreseen, I guess. Like it's all sort of led you to this point, I guess. Whatever you've done, so I mean, it sounds like that, which is pretty awesome. Miguel, I guess people have a basic conception of what speech recognition is, but what what was? How did it first start off, and what sort of the the changes that you're seeing that you want to share with us today that is evolving, and why is that sort of important?
0: Yeah, I think. Speech recognition is fascinating. I mean, I, I won't claim to be like uh, the best at the speech recognition history. A lot of work has gone into it for the last like 50, 60 years, you know, And but the progress has been amazing. So uh, at first, you know, like, we were struggling to recognize even just like one digit, you know, so you would say just one, and you would hope that that one would appear on your screen. And that was a huge achievement at first, you know. So um, it started very, very small. When I started in Speech Rec, the accuracy was definitely not nearly as good as, as it is today. And so the use cases were a lot narrower. When I was working at Nuance, most of the applications required uh, heavy customization, they were mostly around the telco industry. So, you know, like the f- famous phone lines that you would call, you know, and get like a, how can I help you today? And and you could say just like five words, you know. And even back then, like that was quite incredible. But in the last 10, 15 years, maybe algorithms have evolved enough, price of GPUs and technology on the GPU side like kind of coincided at the right time, maybe 10 years ago, and neural network technologies became you know, more usable. And you can see sort of a jump in accuracy right then when neural nets got included in the technology stack of ASR. So at first they were used in a piece of the tech stack that's called acoustic model. Uh, And these architectures are referred to as hybrid architecture. And, And when that architecture like started, you can see a clear change in accuracy. And then things started to evolve, like Siri started to come out, you know, so you had these voice assistants and speech recognition was much more powerful back then at that point. What's exciting today is for the last five years or so, there's been a lot of work in these end-to-end architectures, they're called. And so basically, this refers to using a neural net for the whole pipeline rather than just a part of it. And that breakthrough... Is yet another step change in accuracy, and what's exciting is I think we're going to start to see even more fancy or you know new use cases where speech recognition is used. And so, yeah, I think yeah, we're we're just at the beginning of a new kind of era for speech track.
1: I know you talked about a lot of the infrastructure around the GPUs and everything else required, but I guess in order to recognize a lot of the text and stuff, the vocabulary, how did that build up to become accurate enough as well?
0: yeah well so the game in machine learning is always they like that the secret is always data it's always been true it's still it's more true than ever today i don't know if there's any secret i mean i i think maybe just like companies got more accumulated, more and more data. It's kind of a chicken and egg situation where, you know, I think you need to find a way to accumulate data and, and transcribe it so that you can train these models. And so it takes a while to, to get there. You know, for example, Siri, I'm I'm guessing at first was was not that good. And over time, they they could improve because they accumulated data. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's not maybe not the best answer, but yeah, it, enough. I mean, it,
1: it, there's something that you have to start from somewhere, and then like it's just improving the quality. So, I mean, that, that's that's totally fine. What are some of the common conceptions do you see of how publishers are using Rev? You know, because subjectively from my perspective, like maybe some of those publishers are still using it for just simply adding notes onto their podcast or transcribing the notes. Like, what are some of the conceptions you're still seeing that you think is still limiting? publisher's abilities to utilize speech recognition properly.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's mostly, you know, right now, publishers are using it to provide, you know, a quick transcript of their podcasts or make their podcasts more searchable online, you know, by giving a transcript. Uh, I think that's a great use of it. I don't know if there's, technically speaking, I don't know that there's anything stopping people from using it to create even richer experience but definitely there is a movement right now where speech recognition has become very accurate and so uh, people are looking for ways to add on to um, to the output with insights, you know? So I, I know like something like uh, text summarization is is a really big thing right now where, you know, if, if you have a podcast and you, you not only want to have a transcript, but you also want to have like the key takeaways and you may want to try to do that automatically using the output of ASR. Yeah. And so as, as ASR gets more and more accurate, I think you can start to kind of like add on more technology on top. It's a bit dangerous to do it when it's not accurate because it's well-known, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, so if you if you put, you know, if you put like a bad transcript into a summarization engine, you may not get a good summary. But as it gets more accurate, some of these applications are going to be uh, really interesting for sure.
1: Has there been any change in the type of users that maybe from the media and publishing landscape that have adopted technologies? Is it maybe because... People that might be looking for podcasts and transcripts are more journalists versus, you know, maybe more technical people are trying to utilize that for the organization. What are your thoughts around sort of like the adoption? Who needs to adopt that technology to be able to make an impact for richer experiences for media companies? How important is that adoption?
0: We built a product called Temi.com also a while ago, which is used a lot by publishers and journalists. I think... I don't know if any media company is doing this, but, you know, it would be very powerful to, I'm imagining they do. And now I'm showing my ignorance a little bit, but they should, you know, like a company that that has a lot of audio would benefit a lot from using ASR to transcribe all their audio to make it searchable and to catalog it more easily, right? And so I'm guessing like big companies out there are already doing something like that. But the more and more accurate APIs like Revi, the, the one we offer, the more they become more affordable and available, the more it will be accessible to smaller companies also, you know, and smaller publishers.
1: Sure. That makes sense. How about in terms of like integrating with other platforms, like in terms of the landscape You know, with your API, I know when I'm looking at the APIs now and comparing it to others, like, you know, the likes of Amazon have their own API, you know, Google Video, all those have different types of transcript APIs as well. Like, is there going to be some convergence around that or what has to happen to make the integration to translate a lot of those things a lot more easier?
0: Yeah, good question. I'm uh, not sure I have a good answer. <laughs> we try to make our API as easily integratable as possible. So I, I think uh, just the more people know about it, the more, you know, like people will integrate with it. At the moment, we're, you know, integrate with real uh, a lot of really interesting customers. But I think we need to have a little bit more exposure with developers to make it you know, more popular and to really like have it integrated in many, many places.
1: Do you think video might be playing a role, you know, with the fact that there's more live events, live podcasts? What do you think is the role of video and the fact that maybe a lot of these video platforms can sort of catalyst speech recognition as well? What are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely the last year, you know, with COVID and everything, like there's definitely more interviews like this on, you know, online over over Zoom, over videos. Uh, a lot of conferences went uh, virtual, you know. So that definitely, I think, pushed a lot of the innovation in the streaming space. That's certainly one of the driving forces for uh, speech recognition adoption. We have a few customers that that are in that space, and and definitely seeing a lot more usage there. It's fascinating. Some of them, uh, you know, are pushing us to improve our API for what's called streaming, you know, use case. So when you want to see like captions appear as you speak on the video, it's definitely playing a big role.
1: Is there going to be some aspect where, you know, even marketers and publishers are able to then determine like what key phrases maybe people are are pausing on to try to understand or interpret? Is there going to be some sort of attribution analytics behind it that can make it easier to improve the messaging of maybe those videos or, or even the speech recognition, like, yeah, I guess improving the messaging of any audio or, or video that might be published in the future. What are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting use case for sure. I I mean, uh, I've seen things like simpler things, like, uh, I say, ah a lot, you know, so a lot of people do. And, uh, i've seen applications where they use asr like speech recognition and at the end they give you a report of how many times you said uh, or, um or filler words you know to kind of like try to train you to speak you know more clearly and to hesitate less often yeah. um so you know what you're mentioning there is kind of an, an example of that you know like adding insight to audio definitely speech recognition enables you to analyze you know calls and understand what's said in them analyze you know, marketing videos. And I've heard use cases where some companies have contracts with certain people that are supposed to mention their company, like x number of time in an interview or something like that, you know, so you can use like speech recognition to to make sure that people abide to their contracts, things like that. Yeah, there's definitely all sorts of sort of strange use case like this that are actually really interesting.
1: I guess if you think about it as well, there's so much content that's being disseminated. I guess people would have to find other ways of keeping track of it if yeah. they just a lot of money around content as well. So yeah. I mean, that's definitely unique. I haven't heard that before as well, but it's definitely something maybe it can be more standardized or maybe be more standardized, I guess. What's sort of exciting you today at the moment?
0: Yeah, I, I hinted to it earlier uh, with what we're calling next generation ASR for us, yeah. uh, the end-to-end architecture. I'm really excited about it because well, A, it's enabling us to train better models that are more accurate. So that that's always exciting. That's I, I call this uh my team's North Star, you know. So we're always really focused on accuracy and we want our system to be more accurate. And so It's exciting because it's enabling us to be more accurate, but it's also exciting because these types of models are, they are easier to customize for different purposes or to improve on specific things. And so I'm really passionate about trying to reduce the bias in our APIs, which is very important when we talk about all the applications that are out there about speech recognition, you know, they, some people use speech recognition for uh, in the courtroom for depositions and stuff like that. You want DSR to be least biased as possible. Like I have a French accent, you know, and I, I want DSR to understand me. So I'm excited about that. Like the next year or two, I'm excited to push accuracy to make things, you know, less biased, more accurate for everybody. That's going to be a, a really fun two years. Two, three years
1: at least. <laughs> I know there's like systems like our models around like detecting sentiment you know accent. like you said about determining accents and stuff like that. Is that something that still has to improve in the next two years or is that something that we're okay now and it's just more about improving the end-to-end model?
0: Well when we speak about bias and AI I think that's like the emotion detection algorithms are, are like ones that I think are working the hardest on this. I think that's a really exciting field right now. I don't think we're the best that we can be. I think there's still going to be a lot of improvements in that field, Uh, but that's definitely the type of new advances in speech recognition that are exciting, you know? So it's almost like now people don't think that words are enough, you know? We want more. We want to know the emotion of the person. We want to know the age range of the person speaking you know like the, people want more as much information as possible out of the audio so yeah as a research side anyways it's it's really interesting and one thing i forgot to say about these next generation models is that We're slowly moving towards multilingual models, which is really exciting. So these models have the capability to learn. They can be kind of language agnostic. In the extreme case, you know, you could imagine one model could learn, you know, 20 languages, which would be really amazing. So that's something we want to push the research onto.
1: One final thing about the current landscape as well. Do you think that in terms of the metaverse or, you know, augmented reality and everything else, like, you know, in terms of, shaping, emotion detection and all that type of thing, or even like just uh, general speech recognition. Do you think that Rev could be playing a role into that? Or is there something that's more specialists that are focusing in that field that it can contribute to that? Like, what do you think the metaverse comes into this or virtual reality?
0: Yeah, interesting. I haven't really played much with virtual reality. But I can imagine, I mean, speech One of the classic use will always be useful as captioning, you know, so I remember seeing demos, like we worked on a hackathon project last year where, you know, it was like a virtual reality kind of environment where people would talk and then everything you said would appear, you know, in a little speech bubble above you as a caption, you know, like speaking of accessibility, like speech recognition can make, you know, live content accessible to you know, to millions of people who have a hard time hearing or can't hear, right? I think in that sense, you know, that technology will always have that use. I can't really think of any, you know, like super fancy use case otherwise, but uh, uh, captioning is definitely what comes to mind.
1: Fair enough. It's now starting to become fun and present for even the mainstream public. So we'll see what happens. So you mentioned just before we came on the call about Loom, And how you guys have been able to integrate that, your API to the product and stuff. Are you able to share a bit more about that and sort of what some of the wins are and sort of anything else you can share with us
0: openly? Yeah, totally. So, Loom is one of the exciting partnerships we've had this year. Loom is growing really fast, their video platform for people to record. You know, screencast and um, record themselves with their computer. It's cool technology, and um, they use us to provide captions for each of their videos. I think it's a great use case for speech recognition, as I said, for accessibility. And they have also the feature I was talking about with the ums and dysferences. They have a feature where you can just magically remove all the differences in your videos. So if you record yourself and you, you end up saying um a lot, ah, you can just click one button. Because our speech recognition provides timing around each words, they will also remove the ums from your video. And so it really like kind of like cleans up the video automatically, which is which is a cool use case. So I'm really excited about that partnership and bringing uh, our speech recognition in, in the hands of you know millions of users. Uh, it, it's really exciting.
1: Nice. What are the considerations needed to implement that type of integration? for any new partner yeah
0: Yeah, so i can't speak to exactly how hard it was uh, on their side like i I know that they like i don't think it was very long like honestly the Maybe a day or two like of, of wow. work for, but they have you know really smart engineers. We have very smart engineers on our side, so I think the collaboration helped you know we we helped them integrate, and they yeah, I think in general we one of our main focus on the a p i side, which is led by by a colleague of mine, is to make our a p i as easy to integrate as possible. So some of that is true documentation, but some of it is just like you know, really nice implementation of the API uh, protocol. So I think in terms of easy, you know, like in terms of integration, we're one of the easiest, or at least I, I hope we still are, and it's definitely one of our focus.
1: So for any, I know I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but for any sort of media organization or publisher. They just need to have like a good DevOps team that can sort of use APIs to integrate to any products they're building basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's fairly straightforward API. So I think any good developer team will, will be fine.
1: Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's a very obvious question, but yeah, of course. Thank you for that. With Loom as well, like what are some of the things you're anticipating in developing with them further to make the product more efficient to use and more effective?
0: well like i said always like the north star is accuracy so I, we want to make you know things as accurate as possible for them so that that's definitely a big push for our next year and and our effort with loom on top of that i guess there is a, a component of our system called speaker diarization which is the problem of speaker diarization is for a machine to try to understand who spoke when in an audio so in our interview right now we would have we would ideally have a machine be able to spot when Miguel is speaking or when Fahi is speaking and give us the timestamp of those segments of speech. And that's a component that we're working really hard on that has made progress in the past for sure. But still, that's a very difficult problem to solve. And so I could see us uh, working hard on that problem also for them next year. Otherwise, Probably a language extension. So, you know, getting into other languages than English right now, our, our biggest focus has been English for a while. So speaking of being accessible as an API, I would love to to have the same accuracy for other languages.
1: And that sort of ties in with the overall plans for Rev next year as well in terms of the product roadmap?
0: Yeah, so we're, we're right in the middle of talking about our, you know, our plans for, for next year, but definitely we, we want to, expand our language capabilities for sure not quite sure which ones yet so
1: is that also just uh, obviously with building the models needing more language specialists in-house or is that through other technology integrations that can help you make that more accurate like what's sort of the steps around
0: definitely you need you need the language expertise in-house it helps to especially when you so i think you nowadays can can get a pretty good model easily without speaking a language actually which is pretty pretty amazing but if you want to get to a level of accuracy that we want you know it, it definitely helps to have language expertise otherwise um i think there's a lot of research right now going into what's called transfer learning so our english models are very good and there is a lot of promise in learning a new model for a new language, but starting from English. So let's say you can you can start from the knowledge you've acquired for English model and using that as a base, you learn a Spanish model, let's say. And there's a lot of research going on in that, in that world right now. So um, that's going to be a focus for next year for sure.
1: That's interesting, I guess, because maybe most of the languages come from like a root language like Latin or something, right? Is that how it's being able to t- make that transferable or...
0: Yeah, I think, you know, like in the end, all, all speech recognition is doing is like a translation between, you know, the, the noises we make with our voice and throat into words, right? So all those noises, like the acoustics that are used to produce speech, you know, like they all come from a human, you know, voice. So, of course, other languages have different you know acoustics um uh, profiles than than english but uh, in general you know I, it, it's not inconceivable that one the same model can understand all you know all the noises that that we make when we speak regardless of language the difficulty is outputting the right words you know so understanding the acoustics is one thing outputting the right words is, is something else so um yeah, definitely, definitely like not an easy task to do, but uh, I think it's possible.
1: Yeah, who knows? Like, I just it just came to my mind. I think I, I saw some of the sci fi episodes or cartoons where you know they have a technology device and you just like you don't know that language, but when you speak, it will automatically sort of translate that for you. So, who knows? We'll see that sometime. Uh, in oh, yeah.
0: I- I actually I think we're closer than you think on that. Like, uh, yeah, there's a field called speech translation. So, you know, traditionally, when you think about translation, you think about it as text from text to text. So English text to Spanish, let's say, Mm -hmm. like Google Translate, you know, everybody's used that product. But speech translation is the problem where you go from English, spoken English to Spanish directly, like not through text and that's really exciting field because in general when you go from english spoken english to written english and then to written spanish you lose a lot of context and a lot of you know like at the more stack you have in your technologies the more the problems accumulate right so speech translation is is just one stack you go from audio to text in another language it's really cool i think some of these devices, they, they actually, I've seen some that already do that, you know, I've seen proof of concepts of, of some devices that do that, and it's amazing, like, that would open a lot of barriers. You know, I'm, I'm
1: going to be interested to see how it's going to pick up slang or jargon words as well, like, every, especially since everyone has their sort of style of speaking. So who knows, you know, oh, it's unless,
0: all the, unless, yeah. unless you have the answer ready for us. No, not yet. Yeah, that
1: that would be that would be tricky for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. 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 Miguel, I guess I uh, just want to sort of come to that conclusion. Just want to see if there's any other advice you can give to our publishers on how to adopt, you know, speech recognition technology and also anyone else that can fortunately be in the position you are from your career is or any advice you can give on that as well.
0: Well, I hope more publishers, you know, start using speech recognition. They they should certainly contact us at (laughs) rev.ai. You know, we'll be happy to help them set up and play around with our speech engine. I think there's a lot of untapped possibilities now that speech recognition is, is more and more accurate. So I encourage everybody to try and think about the next big product in that space and For me, I mean, I feel really fortunate. I mean, I I was lucky to kind of like fall in this role, you know, and it's really exciting. I think the advice I have for people in general is just, you know, follow your passion, like don't join a thing just because it's cool, but you know, do what you enjoy. And I think when you do that, and you're open to possibilities, you can seize the right one when it shows up. So that's usually my my advice.
1: No, serendipity is really important on that. And, and with that, Miguel, thank you so much for helping us simplify a lot of the different models and everything else that's out there and, and the path forward. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: It. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And uh, if I can help explain more things to people, they can reach out to me. I'll I'll be happy to.
1: Definitely. We'll put the call out and stuff in the podcast episode notes as well. So thanks so much.
0: Okay. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.